All right, in your Bibles tonight to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. We enjoy singing, but we also enjoy preaching God's holy word. And so we're going to look in a wonderful passage of Scripture tonight. Daniel chapter 6. And uh, we'd like to read just a few verses to get started, and we'll end up doing the whole chapter, Lord willing, tonight. Daniel chapter 6. You find your place, say amen. amen. I believe that's just about everybody. Daniel 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom in 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Pastor, would you pray for us this evening? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You may be seated. I'd like to bring a, a thought tonight on this Daniel plus that Daniel equals this Daniel. <laughs> and I hope that you'll kind of uh, understand what we're talking about before the message is over tonight. You know, by the time Daniel has reached this event in Daniel chapter 6, the nation of Judah had been attacked. His capital, Jerusalem, had been plundered by the Babylonians in 605 B.C. The holy vessels had been stolen away, along with certain young men being taken captive. Not only Daniel, but you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those young men had been taken and brought back to Babylon. And by the time you get to Daniel chapter 6 here, Daniel has already survived the fall of one empire, that is the Babylonian empire, and so far, he has also survived the replacement of that empire by another called the Medo-Persian Empire. And now, Daniel has served not only Babylonian kings, he is now serving the Persian monarch by the name of Darius, who had conquered the Babylonians. I want you to notice, in verse 3, it says, This Daniel was preferred. This Daniel, the preferred one, we're going to see how this Daniel, that preferred one, is going to become that Daniel, the persecuted one, and he's going to wind up becoming this Daniel again, now called the prospering one. We talked about the preferred one, Daniel. Let's talk about this man, Daniel, his character. You know, I think good character is a man who follows the Lord, the leading of God and his spirit. And Daniel was a man of uh, good character, biblical character. I think character uh, has the idea of being the same on the inside as what we profess to be. And Daniel was that. Not saying one thing and doing another. Not being double-minded as James talks about. No duplicity in this man. He had character. You know, I believe we can only have good character if we follow Jesus and obey Jesus and do what the Lord would have us to do, and I believe Daniel was that kind of man. I think there's two aspects when you think about good godly character. Somebody has said the true test of your character is what you do when no one else is around. Well, I think that's true. What do you do when nobody's looking? So that's a test of 
your character. But I think the flip side of that, if you turn that coin over, you might say, well, the true test of your character is not only what you do when nobody's looking, but the true test of your character is also what you do knowing that people are watching. That's called peer pressure. What do you do when other people are watching? And we're going to see that in Daniel tonight in his character. Now, Daniel not only had good character, he was a man of integrity. Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he had never fit in with the crowd. You know, if you have good godly character, you're never going to fit in with this world. <laughs> uh, you're never going to fit in with the crowd. But like cream that, you know, always rises to the top, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys had integrity, and that caused them to rise to the top. You know, integrity, the root word they say for integrity comes from a mathematical term called integer. You remember studying integers in school? <laughs> what is an integer? An integer is a whole number. It's not a fraction. You know, a person with integrity has a character that's whole. It's not split up into fractions. You know, if, you, if you're a person of character, a personal person of integrity, you don't have to go out into town incognito, so to speak. <laughs> You never have, have to worry about that. You're always the same. A person, that's, uh, an in, a person with integrity is always the same. Never two-faced. And I think integrity is synonymous with truth, don't you? Daniel was a man of integrity. Why? Because he had truth way down on the inside. I believe Daniel had truth all the way to the bone. <laughs> David said, Psalm 51, 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Daniel had truth way down on the inside. Not only did he have truth on the inside, but because of his integrity, he was guided by that truth. So, Proverbs eleven three: the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. I think integrity is what caused Daniel to be preferred by Darius. Darius was a Gentile pagan king. <laughs> but because he saw something special in Daniel, he saw that character, he saw that integrity, he preferred that, uh, Daniel. Uh, in fact, Daniel was Darius' first choice when it came to running the kingdom efficiently. Did you notice in our passage that we just read that Daniel was chosen out of 120 princes, and then they put over the 120 princes, or you might say bureaucrats, <laughs> they put over these 120 princes uh, three presidents, and Daniel was first among the three. So he, he was the head of everything as far as running the uh, kingdom for Darius. This Daniel, we're talking about this Daniel, the preferred one, had an excellent spirit. What does that mean? I believe that Daniel was totally trustworthy. Darius, I believe, could trust Daniel implicitly with running the kingdom and taking care of the finances. You know, that's important to have somebody that's trustworthy, especially over an entire realm like the Medo-Persian Empire. And he placed all of that responsibility in Daniel's hands. Isn't that something? Now, Daniel's a Hebrew slave. <laughs> 
He's a Hebrew captive. And now he's been placed over 120 bureaucrats who probably cannot be trusted, I'm sure. (laughs) And he was put over these three administrators. He was first among the three because in the ancient world, Medo-Persian Empire, just like our modern world, I'm sure they had a lot of fraud going on in the kingdom, just like our government today. A lot of bribery, a lot of extortion. I believe it was probably just as much a problem in that day as it is in our world today. But Darius put Daniel over the whole realm and thought, was actually thinking of making him the most, the second most powerful man in the realm. Now, not only was Daniel trustworthy, but he was totally dependable. Darius knew the integrity of Daniel. He knew that the books had been kept so well by Daniel. He, he knew that Daniel took care, that there was no corruption uh, in the king's court, in, the, in all the king's finances. And, you know, many times, I'm sure in that day, just like in our day, officials would use their influence to uh, sort of get rich at the expense of the king <laughs> and keeping false financial records and pocketing some of the tax money that was taken in. From the people. And Darius was now thinking of making Daniel, as we said, the second most powerful man in the entire empire. Not only did integrity cause Darius to prefer Daniel, but I believe integrity is what brought Daniel into a place of testing. (laughs) You know, if you live for the Lord, you're going to be tested by this world. And by the way, I think probably... uh, Perhaps in the near future, we don't know, but we may be tested more than we ever thought about as we see the end times approaching. And so integrity brought Daniel to this place of testing. Darius preferred Daniel, but his peers didn't prefer him. (laughs) I'm talking about these 120 bureaucrats and these other counselors and administrators. You see, this Daniel was upsetting their apple cart. They wanted to keep things like the head bend, the status quo, uh, like enriching themselves, no doubt, by pocketing some of the tax money for themselves. They didn't want this strange Hebrew around, keeping things straight (laughs) and above board for the king. They couldn't stand the thought of Daniel being elevated above them. This Hebrew by the name of Daniel. So, these conspirators, what did they do? They had to devise a strategy to somehow get rid of Daniel. And so first, they tried to find grounds against Daniel as far as his handling of the king's business. They they wanted to dig up some dirt on Daniel. No doubt they dug long and hard trying to dig up some dirt. But they came up empty. (laughs) because why this man Daniel was a man of character he was a man of integrity and so they found absolutely no hint of corruption in Daniel they found no trace of negligence they found that Daniel couldn't be bought off he couldn't be blackmailed so Daniel was unlike a lot of Christians today he didn't just wear his religion on Sunday like putting on a cloak (laughs) and then conveniently take it off on Monday. He was not that kind of a man. As we said before, Daniel's faith was deep down. It was to the bone. 
And so that's when it dawned on these conspirators, these peers of Daniel, that the only way to take Daniel down, the only way to take him out of the picture was to enact a law or to convince the, the king or, or, or Darius to enact a law that would put this Daniel, we're still talking about this Daniel, this preferred Daniel, to put him in a position of having dis, to disobey the law of his God. So, they had to set a trap for Daniel concerning his faith. That was the only way they could get at him. And specifically, they were testing Daniel regarding the first commandment, actually, to worship God and to worship God alone. And so, we're going to move now from this Daniel, the preferred one, to the persecuted one, that Daniel. Look at verse number 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. You see, Daniel's consistency was well known by all these people. Look at verse 5. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What's the definition of consistency? Well, somebody said it's the habit, being in the habit of doing the same thing on a regular basis. They knew how consistent Daniel was specifically in his prayer life. <laughs> and these conspirators, they knew how consecrated Daniel was to the Lord. They knew about his consistent prayer life. They knew how that Daniel walked and talked with his God. By the way, how consistent is your walk with the Lord tonight? And so, they had to come up with something and convince the king to make a decree. And by the way, Daniel had a conscience that was guided by the law of his God. Let's look at verse, verses number 5 through number 9. Look at it. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. So they're going to butter him up now. Look at verse 7. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together. By the way, this was a lie because they left Daniel out. <laughs> Everybody else got together, but they left Daniel out. We have all consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. But what a trap. <laughs> Not only were they trapping Daniel they were actually trapping the king here because they were uh, they were flattering him and saying oh king let's have a 30, uh, 30 day King Darius month you know let's have a King Darius month for 30 days where nobody can ask any petition of any god except for thee verse 8 now O king establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which altereth not Verse 9, the head the king convinced, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. By the way, they had a law. 
the Medes and the Persians. Once you signed the decree, it couldn't be changed. It couldn't be altered. You were stuck with it. <laughs> and so they knew how much da uh, Darius liked Daniel, but they tricked him here. He don't know what's really going on, except they are appealing to his pride and to his arrogance here. So they talk him into signing this foolish decree. But notice that Daniel's first devotion was to the law of his God. We saw that in verse number 5. Except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, as far as obeying the government, let me just say this. We are to obey the powers that be, according to Romans chapter 13, so long as they don't infringe on our duty to obey God. So long as they don't infringe on our duty to obey God. We to obey the powers that be. But when the government requires us to go against the commandments of our God, then what we sh should we do? The Bible says in Acts 5, 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. Is that simple enough? <laughs> I don't know how you get any more simple than that. Daniel was not guided by the law of the Medes and the Persians. What was he guided by? He was guided by the laws of his God. Supremely. And so, Daniel had that godly conscience to obey the Lord. So we're talking about this Daniel becoming the preferred one becoming that Daniel, the persecuted one. But you know, that Daniel had the conviction to do what was right in the midst of adversity. Look at number, verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that this writing was signed, he knew all about this decree. What did he do? Quit praying? <laughs> What did he do? He went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. Not to Darius. And gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He, know he knows what's going to happen. He knows the decree has been signed, but yet he remains faithful to the, the Lord, being aware of the penalty that if he continued to pray to God, he would be cast into the den of lions. But Daniel did what a man of integrity would do. He did that which was right. <laughs> Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right, even if the stars fall. <laughs> do right. Daniel was that kind of man for the Lord. But you know, he had convictions Daniel had convictions. You know, there's a big difference between convictions and opinions. <laughs> there's a big difference between convictions and standards even. St I see people changing their standards all the time. But if you really got a conviction before God, you won't, you won't change it. <laughs> you, you'll stay by the stuff and you'll keep doing that which is right before the Lord. He knew that this decree had been signed. He was fully aware of the, the penalty if he continued to pray. But Daniel's conviction to pray to God made him guilty as charged. They had him. This was the plot. They had to come up with something concerning Daniel's faith. But you know, these conspirators, they had set this trap knowing. Listen, they knew what Daniel was going to do. They knew that he would still be obedient to the Lord 
and continued to pray to God as he had always done. Now listen, if you were tried as a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I mean, what convictions do we have about worshiping the God of heaven and earth? You know, it's one thing to worship the Lord and pray to God in the privacy of our homes. But what if praying to God were made a criminal offense? Would you keep praying? What if worshiping the true and living God meant staring in the face of a hungry lion? <laughs> That's what Daniel was facing. What are you talking about faith? You're talking about courage. You're talking about commitment of this man, Daniel, to stand firm for the Lord. Daniel could have compromised. Boy, it would have been so easy to compromise right here. But he didn't. He didn't. He could have decided to take a break from praying. Surely God would understand. I mean, after all, he'd been so faithful to God all these years up until now. He could have decided to please men instead of God. Uh, he could have taken the easy way out. He could have decided, hey, I'm just going to hide my religion for just 30 days and go along with the king's decree. He could have caved into the peer pressure. As we said before, the true test of your character is not only what you do when no one is watching, but what do you do when people are watching? <laughs> he knew that they were watching. He could have caved in, but he didn't. Are you living for the Lord in such a way that people already know? <laughs> they already know where you're going to stand even before you're put to the test. You know, if we're going to come through the test, if we're going to pass the test that comes our way, we better decide right now where we're going to stand. <laughs> Don't wait until then to decide where you're going to stand. You better decide right now you're going to do what's right. You're going to stand firm for the Lord. That's what Daniel did. Okay, we've talked about this Daniel. The preferred one. And we're moving into this area of that Daniel. Look at verse 11. Then these men assembled. They had him. And found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man shall ask a petition? That every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Don't you remember signing that decree, O king? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, there we go. <laughs> it's gone from this Daniel. That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king when he heard these words, he knew he'd been tricked, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute with the king established may change, may be changed. They're holding his feet to the fire, aren't they? 
So he's got to do it. Verse 16. Then the king commanded. And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, this is amazing to me, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. But we talked about this Daniel. Now we're talking about that Daniel, the persecuting one. We're going to see Daniel's going to make a full circle. He's going to come right back around to being this Daniel again, <laughs> the prospering one. Let's continue to read. Verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Boy, his appetite was gone. <laughs> he couldn't eat. He couldn't drink. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. He's worried about old Daniel down there. <laughs> Verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. <laughs> My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. Now, I don't know exactly how the Lord did this. I don't know whether he just gave the lion's locked jaw or <laughs> they couldn't open their mouth or he just took all the hunger away and they couldn't eat a bite if they wanted to. I don't know how the Lord did it, but the Lord shut the lion's mouth that they could not hurt Daniel. While the king was fasting, he wouldn't even turn on the radio <laughs> or the CD player or the USB. <laughs> he, sent the, he spent the whole night pacing the floor worried about Daniel. And Daniel's probably in a <clears throat> using a lion for a pillow. <laughs> Daniel's the one that had a good night's rest. Not Darius. My God has sent his angel. And has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him. And commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no manner of hurt was found upon him. Because he believed in his God. <laughs> Boy, it pays to believe in the Lord, doesn't it? And trust him at all times. Verse 24. And the king commanded. Okay, what are they going to do with these bureaucrats? I think a lot of other bureaucrats need to have this done to them. Anyway, and the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. <laughs> they got hungry now. <laughs> the Lord opened up their mouths now. Tore them all to pieces. Daniel was protected 
and preserved by his God. Daniel was the one who enjoyed a night of total peace and comfort. It was Daniel's enemies that were brought in and thrown to the lions. Now we're going to see Daniel return back to his prominent position. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages, that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree. <laughs> I'm going to make a good decree now. That in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. And steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. And he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Notice the phrase in verse 28. So this Daniel. We've gone from this Daniel to that Daniel. Back to this Daniel. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. And in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Daniel is restored to his prominent prosperous position. We see Daniel. He's a real living Breathing testimony to not only this pagan king, but to the Gentiles of that entire realm. And God prospers him during the reign of Darius. Not only during the reign of Darius, but the next king to follow, Cyrus. This Daniel, the preferred one, proved that he could be accused as that Daniel, the persecuted one. And go through the trial of being thrown to the lions and still come out the other side. This Daniel again. <laughs> the same consistent, conscientious man full of conviction. Being prospered while serving his God as a captive in a pagan land. What a story. <laughs> Not just a story. This is real history. This is a, a real account of what happened during the empire of the Medes and the Persians. I want to close by talking about Daniel's prayer. Did you notice his prayer? Mighty simple prayer. Notice what it says. Verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel, this man with godly character, with genuine integrity, who lived a consistent life. He was steadfast, unmovable, you might say, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He was trustworthy. He was dependable. He was a man that had a conscience governed by the law of his God. He, he had the conviction to do what was right no matter the cost. There's something mighty special about this man's prayer. Did you notice? He knows the decree has been signed. He knows that he's going to be cast into the den of lions. And he goes and prays this prayer. I don't see any panic, do you? I don't see him begging God to give him an exit from this dilemma. I don't see any desperation in this prayer at all. It's primarily a prayer of thanksgiving. 
a prayer of thanksgiving. <laughs> the Bible says we're to give God thanks always for all things. Daniel did that. As he did aforetime. I believe thanksgiving was the most important part of Daniel's prayers. And you know, Daniel's prayer tells us a whole lot about his kind of religion. Daniel had the kind of religion that would stand the test during the crisis. And what did he treasure the most? He treasured his relationship with God more than anything else. He treasured his being able to commune and to fellowship with the Lord. That was the most important thing that Daniel is worth any price. I'm afraid today most of us, many times we have a religion of convenience, don't we? I mean, will our kind of religion help us to make it through when we find ourselves in a real pressure situation? <laughs> By the way, the pressure might be coming more and more as things are shaping up before the coming back of Jesus. I tell you what, convenient religion, I don't believe is going to pass the test when things really get tough. Religion that's a, sort of like a once a week supplement, you know, to our lives, that's not going to cut it. I believe only a right relationship with the Lord. A God in whom we value above everything and everybody else. That's going to stand the test. <laughs> Both now and in the future. Let's pray. Isaac, would you come and play a hymn of invitation while we uh, pray and have this time of invitation? If God's spoken to your heart, won't you make this altar your home tonight and find your place of prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for Daniel. Oh, Lord, what an example to all of us. Lord, help us not to have a, con a religion of convenience, but help us to have a, a religion that's based on trusting Thee and believing in Thee with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, that's what's going to stand the test. Help us, Lord, to do that which is right, no matter the cost. Help us to do that which is right. Lord, I pray for those that might be in our midst that's not saved. Or this was not a salvation message, but it's still about the God of salvation who can save to the uttermost. Lord Daniel was a testimony to Darius and to Nebuchadnezzar and to Cyrus and all these pagan kings. Lord, help us to be what you'd have us to be in this day and hour. Lord, we live in a dark world. Lord, it's getting more dark every day. But Lord, help us to be the light in this world that we ought to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Isaac, as you pray, God's spoken to your heart tonight. Would you make this altar a place of prayer? This, that's what this altar was designed for. It's, sure, you can pray back there, but it's just special to come to the altar, a special place. That's for the Lord's help and His guidance and His direction. Pastor, would you take the service, brother?